Welcome, everyone, to DEI After Five, the show that focuses on topics across diversity, equity, and inclusion with some of the brightest minds in the industry. Here's your hostess, inclusive culture curator and coach, Sasha Thompson. Hey, everyone, and welcome to this episode of DEI After Five. You know, I've been saying that this season we're really going to start talking about um, aspects of diversity, equity, and inclusion that aren't often talked about when we are having these conversations. And so this week is no exception. Um, My guest this week is Jamee Brown, who is a DEI strategist. And we're going to be talking about uh, supplier diversity. Got a little tongue tied there. We're going to be talking about supplier diversity. So Jamee, just welcome to the show. How are you today? Thank you, Sasha. I'm doing well. How are you? Good. Just a little tongue tied this morning. I don't know what's going on. Um, So can you tell us a little bit about, you know, who you are for those that may not know you and the work that you do? Happy to. Uh, So again, hello, I am Jamee. That's like Jamaica, but without the cut. I'll start with the personal. I am a new mom and I'm already expecting our our, our second. So uh, loving on my family. That's taking up a lot of my, my good energy and time. What else? Ooh, I'm in an MBA program. One class left and I'm almost done. Um, and then in terms of professionally, what I do, I'm in North Carolina now, originally from New Jersey, but down here as the DEI strategist for the city of Concord, North Carolina. So located in Cabarrus County, 10, 15 minutes from Charlotte, you know, a metro area and mm-hmm. juggling what it looks like doing this work in the South and doing this work in local government. Yeah, lots to juggle mm-hmm. there, including a little one and another one on the way. Just yes. lots, lots going on. Um, and NBA, who been there, child? Mm-hmm. Right there with you. Um, so you know, I think what is very unique about the conversation we're going to have today is you're not in a corporation. You know, you you are working for a city government. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I want to really understand kind of. Based on your experience so far, what is a little bit different about working in a government space um, than in a corporate space? Yeah, absolutely. So I actually haven't had that corporate space experience um, per se. I was in higher ed five, six years and my role didn't have DEI in the title, but was was doing DEI in addition to, to my 40 hours a week and then spent a year as a consultant. So working with corporate settings and organizations in that capacity, but never mm-hmm. for a corporate uh, uh, entity or, or, or business. So now being in local government, um, I can compare it a lot to higher ed. Um, and I, I see some differences nonetheless from what I hear from other colleagues. So some differences are that I feel I feel obligated regardless of I think where I work. That's just my my personal energy and passion. But living in the community that will reap the benefits of whatever comes out of my office has has a different feel to it. Right. Um, I think that taxpayers have an expectation of of city government as they should, you know, Um, so there is that's an added component, something to keep in mind. Um, And then I guess. 
Last but not least is as I think about internally what I do for my colleagues here through their learning and development, like there also are residents and neighbors. So I want to always make sure my work has a clear path to influence them both as internal colleagues, but also as neighbors and residents, too. I love that. And, you know, I I wanted to ask that question because I think so often people have this misconception that DEI work is just in the work setting. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and that it doesn't expand outside of that nine to five. Right. Mm-hmm. When I go home, I can just be myself. I don't have to worry about this stuff. But there are entities that are doing DEI work in the community, like for the community um, at a local state and you know federal mm-hmm. levels. So you know, I wanted to make sure that people were clear on this work is being done locally as well, too. And it's not just about what's happening in your nine to five workplace, but also in the in the greater context of community. Sure. So so thank you for that. So I want to talk about when we were prepping for this, you know, we're talking about supplier diversity and the importance of supplier diversity. Um, can you before we dive in, talk about what is supplier diversity? Because I have a feeling that there might be some people that aren't clear on what that is. Yeah, absolutely. So it's making sure suppliers, contractors, uh, businesses that we need to bring in to provide services, um, ensuring that there is a consideration of diversity in who we do business with. So um, I'll speak specifically about racial diversity um, being where I am. We have contracted out with a number of companies for many years, decades sometimes, right? And I think that's great. Obviously, we want to nurture those relationships and continue to use some of these companies. But at the same time, we are seeing an influx of Black-owned businesses, for instance, um, in, in this area. So how are we supporting them, tapping into their network, their areas of expertise when we do have this big construction job coming up or a much smaller catering job coming up, right? It really can span anything from catering to something as large as construction. But again, making sure we are being mindful of all of the businesses in our area and tapping into their talent. I want you to dive a little bit deeper into that because, um, you know, I when I worked in corporate and started working with some teams around supplier diversity, one of the nuances or one of the challenges that we had was having people think outside the box when it came to the businesses that we could support, right? So you you know you use catering as an example. That's usually one of the areas where you could find lots of black and brown businesses. Um, cleaning was another area, mm-hmm. but then outside of that, people were like stuck <laughs> on you know. Well, I don't know any businesses that are outside of that, um, and so. Can you talk to us a little bit about what can organizations do to start looking at other places for these organizations? Yeah, so I'll start with what I'm doing now. I'm preparing for a February hub workshop, right? And I wanted to bring a hub workshop here because it is a fairly low lift, I think, for somebody in my role. The state comes in, gives the presentation for free. I simply need to provide the space and do the marketing behind it. Right. So with that, I don't want to just have caterers and cleaning companies. So I'm like, OK, where can I where can I start? Yes, I'm a resident. So some businesses are coming to mind just based on my own movements throughout the area. But again, I'm fairly new here. I don't know everything. So I tapped uh, into our chamber 
Mm -hmm. um, and our Cabarrus Economic Development Team. And they helped me quite a bit, sent me a few lists of businesses that they had that were what the state calls minority women and or veteran owned business enterprises. So now based on that list, two, two come to mind that aren't, again, um, catering or cleaning. And that's a security company and a trucking mm -hmm. company, right? Amazing for me to know. I, I can recognize the address not far from where we are. And again, within the city of Concord. So now when someone says, hmm, uh, we want to have an event. We, of course, have the Concord Police Department, but perhaps they're busy or, you know, a, a number of other events are happening as well. And we absolutely need security. I can refer this security company. Um, yeah. With the trucking, a lot of our projects are pretty large scale for a small scale trucking company. But in the event, we do have a project that isn't going to require, I don't know, 15 trucks and 45 folks. And we can use a smaller company. Let's keep them in mind as a subcontractor, perhaps. So mm -hmm. I'm trying to use the resources that are already out there and, and learn along the way so that I can better equip my entire team to really tap into that supplier diversity. You know, you said something that um, I think a lot of people don't leverage, right, Is which is their local chamber of commerce. Oh, yeah. Um, and knowing businesses, you know, I'm actually a member of the Maryland Black Chamber of Commerce. Um, and we recently did a networking event with the LGBTQ plus uh, Chamber of Commerce, right? So there's diversity within these groups as well, too. And the beauty of that whole networking event was, you know, getting to know what other businesses people were doing so that you could tap into them and, and use them if you needed them as well, too. And so, you know, as organizations are looking to expand their um, their reach mm -hmm. and their dollars, those are great resources. So thank you for sharing that. Um, you know, the other thing that kind of came up as you were talking was this opportunity of networking and this opportunity of not just having folks on a list, but knowing when you can use them. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a piece that is often kind of taken for granted. Like, oh yeah, I have this list of folks, but we don't know, we don't take the action of, okay, well, where can I actually use them or who could actually use them? So for your office and the work that you do, how do you all um, talk about the businesses that are that are out there or that you're supporting? Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm happy you mentioned networking because in addition to the hub workshop, right, naturally networking will hopefully happen, but it's an hour long like course, essentially workshop class, you're coming to take notes. So I made it a point to tack on an extra hour specifically for networking. So these businesses can get into each other and yeah. I'll have department heads there who will come and say, you know, chat with me over here. I oversee our, um, or excuse me, not oversee, I, I manage our I don't know, let me say fire department. And I, I know I'll have these two bids coming up, right? So that networking is really important to, to create those connections for those businesses. Um, but to go back to your question, I am, again, fairly new to the role. So the networking is, is key at the hub workshop to connect department heads to the businesses, right? But the goal long-term, right? We, we're going to work mm -hmm. here is to have a webpage that lives on my DEI website uh, on our on our local government page that says 
folks, I want to make it super easy for you. Click this list. <laughs> Here go the, the minority women veteran-owned business enterprises in our area. Um, because you'll often hear, right? Well, we can't find them. Where are they? <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, so I wanna I wanna eliminate that off the off the rip, right? It, here it is. Um, if if I need to bridge that that gap or make that intro via email, I'm happy to do so. But also they'll be at our next hub workshop or whatever I plan next in, in this quarter or month. So we're getting there. Yeah. I, I, you know, think that excuse is no longer an excuse because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um, Google is free <laughs> and you can always, you know, yes. and so many organizations, particularly after the um, last two or three years have started highlighting, you know, black owned business, veteran owned business, woman owned business um, so that they're easy to find or easier to find. So, you know, I appreciate you all, you putting that together um, and you tapped onto something that was actually going to be my next segue, which is why is this important to DEI consultants, right? Most of the folks that listen to this show or watch this show um, are in corporations and or, you know, doing DEI work as either a, a solo person or part of a, a small team. But why is this important for DEI people to think about supplier diversity? Yeah, uh, that, that supplier diversity pre- procurement piece, uh, purchasing, whatever it's called in your respective place is key. As we think about how to financially support some of these communities and businesses, that's a very easy way to do it. Um, cities, local governments, at least in, you know, in my world, will always have projects coming up, right? So why not, like I said, tap into the talent and the resources here, Um businesses, corporations are making all sorts of financial uh, commitments, right? Mm. To, to DEI, great. Yep. Let's, let's um, include supplier diversity in it. And, and all of the other things I've heard about training and development, uh, donating to X, Y, and Z nonprofits, those things are valid and, and absolutely necessary too, but this has to be a part of the conversation as well. I a million times agree with mm-hmm. that. And, you know, and again, um, there's so many folks or so many organizations that have their DEI efforts that are internally facing, right? It's tied to HR. But when you have DEI as something that's not just internal, but it's external, right? And you you spoke to it, you know, people are pledging all of this money and wanting to support all of these efforts and projects and programs. Mm -hmm. Supplier diversity is a way that you could do that long-term and short-term, right? Absolutely. Make sure you have a list of um, businesses that your com- the types of businesses that your companies often outsource mm-hmm. and seeing who's on those lists and making sure that it is representative of the diversity that you want to ensure that your dollars are going. Mm-hmm. Right? Absolutely. So I think that this is something um, it's critical. And as I said before, you know, when I was in tech, that was a big challenge or issue. And, you know, I kept screaming, like, there are Black-owned tech companies, like, there are yeah. Black-owned startups that provide cloud, you know, services or even training for people that are from different populations to help upskill them that we can tap into. Um, and so it's really thinking outside, not just even outside the box. This is thinking beyond your box. Like, yeah. this is getting out of your comfort zone exactly. a little bit. Um, and, and really making sure that you're giving opportunity to everyone um, in a way that is meaningful and uh, purposeful. Yes, for sure. And I think 
in in some of what I have in mind to do is, like I said, bringing these businesses to to my colleagues and, and vice versa, right? Making that connection part very easy, so that when a there is a contract out for bids or a request for proposals or quotes, we are bringing in some of our local businesses that that meet um, those you know, other other demographics that we haven't traditionally worked with from traditionally marginalized backgrounds. Right. But at the same time, I I, I want to add on like a 2.0 to that project and track. OK, folks, so we've gotten bids from five businesses. Right. Um, whatever the number may be. But how are we monitoring that we actually are choosing these businesses mm-hmm. as well? Right. So it's it's definitely not over with the networking event. I want to create a, a data-driven process where I can see this event led to 40 new contacts. Here is how many contracts were signed with those contacts, right? And and keep going from there. Yeah. It's kind of the next step beyond the Rooney rule, right? It's one Mm -hmm. thing to have them in the pool, but are you actually hiring them to do the job? Exactly. Um, So that, that I think is a critical part of this, this conversation, because Mm -hmm. there, again, there's so many people and organizations that have lists, if they do have lists, but are they actually utilizing them? Yes. Um, and and you, you kind of touched on this earlier, are they updating those lists and making sure like, okay, I'm not using the same one person over and over again, even though that they may be great, but there may be other black and brown or women or vet- veteran owned businesses in that same space that need that opportunity as well. Too. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. So I want to do a little bit of a, a pivot mm-hmm. and talk about um, the impact on community. Right. So supplier diversity, yes, that helps, you know, small businesses, et cetera. But can you talk about the larger impact on the community at large when when you hire these businesses? Yeah, the impact on the larger community. That's that's a great point. So I think because of of what I know about Concord's history so far, um, a lot of these businesses, these folks are are from here, born and raised here, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Or or have been here a very long time. And I think it is a good way to show love and support for that that um that familiarity with the area, right? Their their love and support for the community and staying here and opening a business here. So I think that is really important for sure. Um, other community uh, impacts, I, I'll mention jobs as well, right? Like I was thinking it yeah. is, yeah, right. Like it's great if, um, not even if, those businesses typically, right? Hire people in our community, you know? So anytime mm-hmm. we can, give them more business, i.e. more money, more funding, et cetera, that clearly has a, a positive trickle effect into the job market. Um, those are two things that come to mind for now. And I think it's, you know, just good for any resident or neighbor to see like, oh no, like Concord chose X, Y, and Z business for this and didn't outsource to even as close as Charlotte, but that's not Concord, you know, and people right. do look for that. Yeah. I mean, I think that's such a critical piece of this that, um, we need to talk about is, you know, by supporting these small businesses, by supporting these minority owned businesses, mm-hmm. um, you are impact, in fact, um, creating jobs yes. within the community, creating opportunity, creating 
um, knowledge share and people, the ability to grow and learn and do so that they can either continue in that work or start their own businesses, you know, et cetera. And so mm -hmm. it's this ripple effect that happens that I think many large companies, especially that have supplier, like large supplier diversity programs kind of forget or might miss out on, like there's this larger opportunity of impact that they, they can have by doing this. Um, whereas by going to, again, a larger company that's still going to outsource it anyway, right? Making sure that you're just more focused on the funds that mm -hmm. you have. Mm -hmm. So as we're talking and I, I'm kind of thinking through um, what is important to DEI practitioners in this space, right? So let's say they listen to this um, on their podcast or they're, they're watching this. What do you want them to take away from this conversation and what should they know about, or at least keep in mind about supplier diversity? Yeah. Hmm. I, I would say um, particularly in, in the space that I'm in, right? Local, local government, um, evaluating if there is even a conversation being had about the topic, right? And then from there, finding those state resources, the resources that already exist through the chamber, like we mentioned, or other, we have a ton of organizations here through our community colleges that support small business, for instance, right? So where there are partners already doing this work, partner with them, <laughs> right? Um, to to make it a point to start to open the doors to your local government entity for those small businesses. I think that is super key. Um, I also think that it's okay to not know everything about the topic. I definitely don't. I posted on LinkedIn recently, like, look, if you know about a supplier diversity conference, I need to be there. A book, tell me, right? Because as I work to build this out, Hub workshops aren't the only answer and aren't aren't maybe not the right answer for every type of business, too. You know, so mm -hmm. I am learning as I go. And I think that is OK with some of this. Um, I, I know to to not overstep where I where I don't know some things. And I say, let me get back to you. Right. Um, yeah. But but it is important to at least introduce the topics now based on what I do know. Right. Which is we have a ton of small businesses here who are looking for the city to support them in some way. And here is a great way to do it. So mm -hmm. that comes to mind for me. And then I think last thing I'll say is um, in, in our you know state of North Carolina, there are a lot of government entities already doing this right. So I've made contact with them just to see what their next steps were after something as introductory as a, a hub workshop. Yeah. You know, and you, as you were talking, something clicked in my mind and you, you said it earlier, but I'm like, no, I think this is something that I can I'm bring up now, too, mm -hmm. is starting your own list. Yeah. You know, start small if you have an Excel spreadsheet yep. that you keep for yourself um, and you make it you are intentional about who you want to use. Um, and you, it may not be called supplier diversity. Um, you might not have that in your organization, but you can start your own list of being very intentional about the vendors that you use. Um, Absolutely. And in and my so, personal. Yeah. And in my personal life moving here. Right. Like I came here like. Okay, where can I find this? This you know what I mean from black owned businesses. That's just something I would do regularly. So that was the start of my list before I even knew I was going to work for the city and have this initiative. So yeah. it doesn't have to be much harder than, than what you said, starting that list. Yeah. 
And I think that that's something that everyone can kind of walk away with doing or being very intentional mm-hmm. about. Um, I know it's something that I'm very intentional about in my in my business, right? My logo design, um, my my production team, you know, my video production, um, my photographer, you know, all of those things are. I was very intentional about supporting minority-owned and black-owned businesses, mm-hmm. and so starting small, and then from there. It's just, okay, how do we make this a thing? How do we create supplier diversity within our organization or even within our team and then kind of expand from there? So I think that that is um, a great starting point in addition to everything, you know, that you said, being mindful of the connections in the community that you're a part of, because again, there's so many people that are doing this already. It's like, where, where can you go to learn more? community exactly. colleges, you know, other organizations and programs that are doing it. So I, I love that. Um, my last little pivot with you. Mm-hmm. Um, I know you you have a lot going on right now, just personally and professionally. Mm-hmm. So what do you do to take care of yourself? Like, how do you fill your cup? Yes. Oh, I, I appreciate the question because I, I I need to do it more. I promise you I do. But um, more recently, my fiance and I have gotten back to like, man, we got to start getting our massages again. Like we mm-hmm. have. To. So that is one thing that we are making it a point to do a bit more regularly as we can for sure. And what feels like for the first time in a long time, I am reading a book like paper. Like mm-hmm. it feels so good to turn pages. Um. And and that has been, you know, difficult with a, an infant, like I mentioned, and being in school. Um, and I promise I'm still well read. I'm, I'm on the Internet and I'm, I'm following the articles and I'm listening to podcasts, but it's nothing like picking up a book. So those are my two things right now. And hopefully next time we talk, I can tell you I'm back into my yoga routine and all of that, too. I love it. I love it. Yeah, I've been doing audible books lately okay. mm-hmm. and I'm on. um Barack Obama's last book. Yes. And when they said 29 hours, I was like, whew, okay. But I'm finding that I'm just taking in so much more. Yeah. And listening, you know, and and it's just calming me in a way that I haven't in a while. And I, mm-hmm. I appreciate it. I love paper books too. So yeah, between Audible and paper books, I'm getting back into that this year too. Good, for sure. good. For sure. Well, Jamee, thank you so much for this conversation today. Um, I hope people have been able to take away a couple of nuggets that they can start doing in their organizations around supplier diversity. Um, If people wanted to connect with you or reach out to you, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, LinkedIn. That's my jam. Um, I'm I'm active on there. If if that's where you want to check, connect, or even answer my request for like, where can I learn more as well? That's a great place to do it. Good. Wonderful. So thank you so much again for being with us. And everyone, thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this episode of DEI After Five. As always, you can find us on Tuesdays at 5.15 p.m. Eastern, right here on YouTube or on your favorite podcast platform. Until next one, have a good one. 